Welcome to the show, folks. I'm David Hansen. As announced yesterday on Market Foolery, we forgot to talk about it on our show yesterday. Matt is actually taking a new role here at The Fool, so he's not going to be available to do where the money is every single day. I know it's a very, very sad day. But we are not going away. We are just expanding the world of where the money is to, to new ventures, new horizons for our listeners and for our analysts. So we're going to try a new schedule every Tuesday. So that's today. This is the first day of our new schedule. We have the Consumer Goods Group coming in. We have Mark and Mike, two of our Consumer Goods analysts, coming in. They'll be with you every Tuesday following the same format of where the money is. Headlines, in focus, games, mailbag, all that good stuff. Wednesday, we'll have healthcare analysts on the show. Thursday, we'll have energy analysts on the show. And then Friday, we're calling it a wild card day for now. So some days we'll run some interviews. Some days it'll be financials again. Um, And of course, I should mention financials will be on Monday. So Matt and I will still be in the mix for a while, um, as will Tyler Riggs, our other banking and financials analyst here. So today will be the first day of the new and improved, we can call it improved, uh, where the money is with the consumer goods team. Hope you enjoy the show. Matt and David are dead. Long live Matt and David. This is the whole new and incredibly exciting Where the Money Is. Hey, everybody. I'm Mark Reith. This is Michael Finarelli. Do not touch that dial. I know we're not Matt Koppenheffer and Dave Hansen. I know we're not nearly as handsome as both of them are. Well, maybe. Maybe he is. Um, But we have a new schedule for Where the Money Is starting today. Uh, We are the consumer goods analysts for The Motley Fool, and we'll be talking all consumer goods all throughout the show. Um, So welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know why I'm welcoming you, because I'm new, too. This is going to be fun. (laughs) This is our first time doing the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Hopefully, we can live up to what Matt and David have put together here. It's a pretty good show. We'll certainly try. I know. I know. All right. So they start with headlines right about now. Isn't that right? Headlines? I think so. Let's go to some headlines, then. Okay. All right. Our first headline. JCPenney stock is great for speculators, but investors should stay away. Mm. I really like this headline because it really kind of encapsulates everything that you need to know about JCPenney right off the bat. Right. Things have... Not been great for JCPenney recently until this last quarter where they saw comps up for the second consecutive quarter, except for the nine quarters before that, comps had been declining pretty dramatically. Right. Are you buying into a JCPenney uh, turnaround, or is no. this just is this a flash in the pan? No. For me, I'm definitely not buying into a JCPenney turnaround, and I do love that headline, by the way. Right. Because it distinguishes perfectly between speculators mm-hmm. and long-term investors. Here at The Motley Fool, of course, we're long-term investors. Um, yes, JCPenney did see comps rise, same-source sales growth rise in, in the most recent two quarters, mm-hmm. especially the most recent quarter seemed like a nice bump for it as well. Uh, they significantly cut down their fixed costs, their right. SG&A margin, sales general administrative margin, um, has been the lowest it's been in, for the same quarter, Q1, for the last three years. Mm-hmm. Just pretty impressive. So they're cutting costs, you know, they're tailing back on inventory and things like that. They're doing a lot of, you know, it seems like the turnaround's working, but a lot of people are screaming, turnaround, buy now, buy now. I just don't see it because I don't see a long-term competitive advantage for this company. Right. I, I like that JCPenney is coming back to basics. They're bringing a lot of their store brands back into the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're bringing back coupons. A lot of the Ron Johnson stuff is kind of going out the window. True. <laughs> it feels like he, they just they did not give him a chance at all. They did not give the store within a store concept a chance. Mm-hmm. But then you look at how poorly it did over, what was it, just the two years he was there? I don't know. Do you think there was ever really a chance JCPenney's store within a store concept could have worked? 
Well, you know, I do. I, I actually think the story. I still, I still think it has some viability. I think mm. it's an interesting concept. Mm. I think where they really ran into trouble was the fact that he kind of cut back or, or immediately withdrew all promotions and yeah. discounts, like the couponing, yeah. which is essentially what J.C. Penney was sort of known for, and it's what really built the the, the loyal fan base around the company. You mm-hmm. know, so doing away with that was a big mistake. Um, you know, I, I think the the store within a store concept actually has some room and I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to to see if that has legs. Are you investing in JCPenney? Of course not. Okay, okay. It sounded like you'd taken a step back like, oh yeah, I want to see how it's going to do. It's going to be fine. No, I'm staying away from JCPenney. I agree. For forever. Okay, second headline. Bring it up. Um, So Warren Buffett increased his stake in Walmart by a pretty sizable amount. I think it was, what, a 17% increase in the stake, something like that? Yeah. Um, um, well, I think he increased it to 17%. Right, right, right. That's right. what I meant. Um, why? What did, what did he like? What did, what's he seeing in Walmart that Buffett is like, yes, give me give me more. Give me all of it. You know, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Mm. All we could really do is speculate at this point. <laughs> now, I don't think... to me, Speculate wildly, Michael. That's please. not a foolish thing to do. It's <laughs> not a way you should approach investing, right? Look, Warren Buffett has a lot of money at his disposal, Berkshire Hathaway. You don't say. They have to chase the big elephants Mm -hmm. in order to to generate returns, of course, for Mm -hmm. for the size of capital that they have to invest. What does he see in in Walmart? Well, I mean, it it still has tremendous scale, Mm -hmm. still has tremendous distributional power, to be completely honest with you. So, you know, those parts of its competitive advantage are still intact, but... What I look, when I look at a Walmart and I look at what the company has done over the last couple of years, especially the last several years, and well, even going further back than that, and all the investments, especially that they've been piling a lot of money overseas, mm. and you see the impact that it's having on profit margins. Their international operating margins are down significantly over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and that in part is also driving down returns on capital for the overall business. So for me, when I look at, I think in terms of managers, you want to see managers who are stewards of shareholder capital, right? They're doing right by their shareholders, and they're investing shareholder money in the most appropriate places in order to generate above average and substantial returns on capital for the shareholders. I don't see them doing that, at least in international, because it's a different ballgame over there. You're already facing against stiff competition, large competitors who already have scale, and it's not like you know years past, you know, decades past, where Walmart rose to success here in the United States mm. by beating out all the mom and pops. It's not facing that situation anymore. Right. Okay, so international, maybe not working out so well. But Walmart's got a couple irons in the fire right now. You mm-hmm. look at oh, what's the what's the brand for the organic food? Was it Oats? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. The the organic food brand that they're bringing back on uh, their e-commerce platform. They mm-hmm. had a twenty seven percent increase mm-hmm. in sales in e-commerce. Right. What do you like more, Walmart getting into organics or Walmart focusing a bit more on e-commerce? Where do they find success? I like focusing more on e-commerce. I mean, I think already 50%, I believe, somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of 50% mm-hmm. of sales come from groceries, I believe, for yep. Walmart. Yeah. Um, there's some traction, I think, there for organics, but you know, I, I think the bigger play here for Walmart is online. And you know, I honestly think that Given also their their store base, their footprint that they already have, mm-hmm. it kind of dovetails well with their their strategy as well. Not only could they be effective online, but they could use their existing store base or at least some of their square footage for warehouse space and right. things like that. So, I, I think that's an interesting play. But let's not make a mistake; it's not going to be a cakewalk. You're right. going up against Amazon. Well, who comes out ahead, Amazon or Walmart? At the end of the day, because like you said, Walmart their footprint you can't deny pretty darn big. Amazon's still building out their footprint with all their warehouses. Yes, right. 
uh, who who wins? Maybe not necessarily who wins e-commerce because I think we both agree that Amazon's still going to come out ahead mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But who wins this this race towards same day delivery, uh, which we're seeing across the board in retail these days? Everyone wants to be the hey, you click today, it's on your doorstep by five p.m. tonight. Right. I think Walmart could do that pretty well. Like you said, their store base is big enough. What do you think? The big problem with same same day delivery is the last mile the problem of the last mile, getting mm. goods actually to a consumer's home. So, I mean, I think the play for Walmart could be there's there's like kind of like a growing phenomenon of called click and collect, you know? Yes. So people can shop online, and then they can go to a store and actually pick it up or some sort of, you know, distribution point. A lot of companies, I think, are, are also um, testing out, you know, like airports and, and railway stations right. and things like that, mm. mass transit areas, so people could easily get, get to, to pick up their goods and services. Um, you know, but I, I honestly think Amazon, given Amazon's track record, given Bezos' track record mm. as an innovator and disruptor, um, given the work that they're doing with drones, whether or not you actually believe in that. Do you, you know, believe in that? I do. Oh, yeah? I believe in Amazon. You don't think that in- someone's going to take a, take a hunting rifle and shoot down your drone and then pick up your packages? I, that's, that's, the head, that's the big headline yeah. of these drones. Yeah. You believe in the drones? I believe in the drones. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'll Call believe me it. crazy. I'll believe Call it when crazy. I see it. How okay. about that? Okay. Uh, last headline for the day. It's all about uh, Whole Foods. Uh, putting my money where my mouth is, why I'm buying Whole Foods Market stock now. Um, Whole Foods Market, not a bad company. We like it. We certainly like John Mackey. Um, <laughs> and you got to admit, you look at their you look at their profit margin, you look at their sales per square foot, you look at their profits per square foot. Right. They knock it out of the ballpark in all of those. Right. But the argument could be made that it's because they are whole paycheck. They're, 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 they cost too much compared to like a Kroger or a Walmart, which is suddenly barreling into this organic market in a very True. cheap and consumer-friendly way. Does Whole Foods hold on to its advantages as far as profit margin goes? Are their margins going to shrink as the uh, competition increases? Mm-hmm. And is that enough for you to say no more Whole Foods for me? No. In my eyes, they definitely hold on to their advantages. Will profit margins shrink? I think they could. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's gonna, there's room for them to lower prices. I don't think it's going to cripple the company. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Um, one of the, the greatest things I like about Whole Foods is the sense of community that it builds you know, with its, with its uh, customer base, to be honest with you. Okay. This is anecdotal, but take, for instance, okay, here in, in Alexandria, you know, right, right down the street from right H&T. down the block, yeah. Right down the block. Um, oftentimes, they actually run, like, things like wine and cheese pairings and mm-hmm. things like that for their actual, for, for all the customers here locally. And although that's anecdotal, I think there's a lot of opportunity for, for things like that. And what it, that does is it really kind of captivate, capti, captivates the actual store, you know, the, the community right. around there, all you the, the show up. shoppers. I'm exactly. always there for Taco Thursday. Of personally. course you are. Big, big fan of Taco Thursday. Are you going to Walmart for Taco Thursday? You know what? I'm not, but I'm going to Walmart for a, a cheaper meal. That's for sure. I'm not going to think that Walmart's, maybe, maybe Walmart's food isn't going to be as good, mm-hmm. Maybe not even as healthy for me, but it's right. certainly going to be cheaper. And you know, I'm, a, I'm a 25-year-old. I'm still up and coming. Uh, I could use cheap sometimes over healthy. Uh, I don't know. Are you shopping That's more? You, you have a son. You have a young son. Are sure. you shopping more at Whole Foods or are you shopping more at Walmart for the things you need for your family? I'd be shopping more. Truthfully, I'm shopping more at Costco. Nice. But that's a whole different story. <laughs> um, but I, I do and have shopped at Whole Foods, and I definitely prefer Whole Foods over, over Walmart. I've never shopped groceries at Walmart. Hmm. And uh, 
for me, you can't really compare the two. I mean, quality-wise, quality of the food, and Whole Foods offers many other things. You know, you, you talk about freshly prepared foods and things like that. Um, the quality would just be far superior, I think, to a lot of its competitors out there. I, I, I think the company has a, a durable competitive advantage. It has staying power in my mind. Okay. Now, the other side of the story for uh, Whole Foods these days, besides the competition, they're expanding their store base dramatically over right. the next couple of years. Right. Uh, and I think in the article from that we stole the headline from, mm-hmm. they mention that uh, Whole Foods looking to build a new Whole Foods. It's not about income. It's about education. They look for a minimum population of 200,000 people with a college education. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. Very interesting. Well, what, why the college-educated people? Why are, are college-educated people more health-conscious and more sure. likely to go to Whole Foods? Uh, I think that's part of it. I okay. think the educated crowd kind of gets the idea behind Whole Foods. Mm. You know, they get the, I think, the mission statement of the company. Mm. They get what the company culture is all about. And I think they kind of attach more to that, to that company. And, I mean, over time, I think, you know, education levels obviously will try translate to income levels. Right. So, you know, I think it all fits together. Do they keep on buying into it? Do they do do is there enough room for Whole Foods to I think it's double their store count or something like that by what is it, 2017? It's a pretty quick timeline. Are there enough people out there who buy in? I think there are. Okay. I, I think the company has legs to, to run to increase its store base. And going back to the idea, like the whole anecdotal example I just gave, mm-hmm. I think there's opportunities for the company to grow on a store level as well, not just geographically. I don't think it's limited geographically. I think there's other opportunities for them to grow sales and cash flow. All right. I hear Heather sighing very unhappily over there. We're clearly taking too much time with these headlines. Let's move on to our main focus for the day, and that's got to be AT&T and DirecTV. Now, Dave and Matt excuse me, uh, mentioned this yesterday when they were talking about mergers. Uh, but let's dive a little bit deeper into this. AT&T, DirecTV, they're merging. It's a $48.5 billion deal right now. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, why is AT&T doing this? Why are they getting into the TV game? You know, it, a lot of people are actually questioning why they're doing that. I think one of the big reasons they're doing it is because DirecTV is a, is a cash flow machine. Hmm. You know, it's it's... Their subscribers are very valuable. It's got a valuable business. They generate a lot of cash flow. I think there's a lot of synergies between the business, but I also think it provides a lot of cash for AT&T for them to kind of further expand their, their footprint outside of DirecTV, perhaps. Right. Okay. Or ex- build upon their business. Now, much more important question, Michael. What does this mean for my NFL, for my Sunday ticket? <laughs> That's, it's funny. A lot of the headlines I'm seeing are less about $48.5 billion in a huge deal that's going to consolidate the TV industry even more than it already is. Right. No, it's about football. Right. What does this mean for my football? Yeah, uh, that's an excellent question. As far as I know, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. I, I think the NFL is kind of holding out. Right. It's, they're not going to be available, or AT&T won't have NFL Sunday ticket available right off. So I wouldn't be surprised if you if we hear about some negotiations down the road in the not-too-distant future and prices might be increasing. Yeah, the NFL is definitely going to get theirs yeah. at the end of the day oh, here. They, they, they got the product and they got the supply. The demand is definitely there. I want my football, damn it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what's this mean for a company like Netflix, which you're already seeing is it's feeling the pressure from this Comcast Time Warner deal to begin with. Right. And now you've got AT&T and DirecTV. Suddenly all the big boys are getting bigger. Netflix, they're not doing badly. You can't deny that. It's a hell of a company. 
but are they a little more afraid today than they were yesterday? It could possibly be. I think it's a little too early to tell at this point because we still don't know exactly all the details around the, the acquisition right. with AT&T. First off, I mean, there's, it still has to go through regulatory scrutiny, right. so it's not a given that it's going to happen. Um, and you also have these question marks with NFL and all that sort of stuff, and that's probably a big part of why they would be doing it, too, to get their hands on that content. Mm-hmm. So from the content perspective, Netflix could have some concerns, mm-hmm. but I think we'll have to wait to see kind of how it pans out. Now, you mentioned the regulatory stuff there, and that's been a big deal for Comcast and Time Warner, obviously, because it was the only big merger going on at that time, and the thought is the Justice Department doesn't want a monopoly, but now... There's a second big merger going on in the same industry. Is that going to is that going to make the Justice Department say, you know what, Comcast, Time Warner, we weren't going to allow it before, but now that we've got bigger competition up against you, we have no we have no concerns there. Mm. Go ahead and merge. Is that is this deal going to help along the other deal? Is the question. Good question. Honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know the dynamics of how it, how it might play out, whether regulators will actually approve or not approve. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't read the minds I of regulators? Believe it or not, Man. I cannot do that. We really can't stack up to Matt and Dave. This, no, is, this is tough. They can do it. Oh, they're good. We're bad. Come on, man. All right, so uh, last question. And uh, Matt and Dave brought this up yesterday, and I honestly don't know the answer to this one. Maybe you can tell me. Yes. Uh, the spread yes. on this deal is pretty big. Uh, DirecTV was worth, I think it was $83 yesterday. Um, the deal values it at $95 a share. Mm-hmm. Whoa, first of all. <laughs> right. Why the spread? And is there a way for an investor? Uh, investors probably looking at that and saying, oh, yeah, $10 right there, right off the bat. I should right. buy in right now. Right. Is there actual money to be made there for an investor? You know, again, I, I've got to go, a lot of hedge funds actually play this game, right? Mm. So, I mean, they speculate in the short run based on mergers and acquisitions, you know, whether it's going to go through and all that sort of stuff based on how far the spread is, how much they can actually gain in, in the short run. Right. Um, is it a game that individual investors should be playing? Absolutely not. Mm. Because let's take a look at, even though there's a sizable spread, what did we just say? Based on regulatory scrutiny, it's not guaranteed at this point. It, it's Now, who knows? Is it a 50-50? Is it a 25-70? I have no idea what the odds are, to be completely honest with you, but there's risk there, right? Mm. There's also risk that, you know, like we were just talking about, NFL Sunday ticket and all that sort of stuff might not pan out for the company. So I think that's those kind of play into the spread. Mm. And there could be some other kind of, you know, tactical issues as well as right. far as going back to those hedge funds you know certain some of these guys are you know whether they're shorting the acquirer in this case you mm-hmm. know buying the acquiree that sort of thing uh, that kind of plays on pricing too as well there's a lot of big money that changes hands in these types of deals even off the side right um, between the hedge funds and so forth all the speculators and I as an individual investor I wouldn't get in yeah, it's, it's funny how individual investors seem to get screwed over like that sometimes. Huh, crazy. All right, that's it for our In Focus. Let's move on to our mailbag. By the way, if you want to join in on our mailbag, simply send us an email at cg at fool.com. Not WTMI at fool.com, cg at fool.com. Something new we're trying. If you don't want to send us mail, then we'll just make it up like we did for this question. Heather, hit it. I like all things fashion and try to keep up with the latest trends in clothing and accessories. What companies out there are keeping up with what's hot and profiting as a result? The question comes from Lauren A. Huh, Lauren A. Do we know a Lauren A in the office? That's strange. Anyway, Michael. Yes. Any fashion companies out there that you like? Personally, 
I hate fashion. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan. I'm not nearly as fashionable as Matt Coppenhauer. You look fashionable. Well, I appreciate that. I try to dance. Your shirt needs some ironing. Let's be honest. I also appreciate you pointing that out to yes. the people. Thank you. That's yes. very nice. When I look around the fashion landscape today, mm-hmm. it's so difficult to figure out what's going to be hot tomorrow. And you look at an American Eagle, I think it is, or an Aeropostale, mm-hmm. they really missed what was going to be hot today, right. yesterday. So they are they are not doing so well. Uh, Urban Outfitters, one of the companies that supposedly was very good at mm-hmm. figuring out what's fashionable or whatnot. They just released earnings. Things did not go well. $0.26 cents EPS, sales of $686 million. Uh, EPS was below expectations. Sales were just a bit above. Not a great quarter for a company that should have had it figured out. Right. We all thought they had it figured out. Right. Anyone in fashion you like at all? Actually, I do like Urban Outfitters. And well, I way to just throw that back at me. Right. I appreciate that. Right. Why? And it's important because people need to look at it from a long-term perspective. Mm. I mean, a lot of things can happen in the short run, right? And stock prices can tank justifiably or unjustifiably, however which way you want to look at it. And, of course, companies, especially in this industry, can miss on fashion in the short term. Mm-hmm. But in the long run, I, you've got to go with proven winners. Mm-hmm. And I think Urban Outfitter is one of those proven winners. They've got some, some brands. Now, the Urban Outfitter brand has actually suffered recently, but they, the company is making strides to kind of turn that ship around. And they are seeing some progress. Um, but I believe they also have its uh, Free People's brand yep. and uh, a few other brands, I believe, that that kind of, I, I think some of them are higher end, some of them are middle end, things of, of that sort. But they actually, th- these brands are, are resonating with customers and they're doing very well. So hmm. I like Urban for the long haul. Okay. I just think it's in such a, it's such a bad industry to be in. It's one of those industries, you know, you think, you think tech and you think that you can see what's coming down the pipeline. It's even harder with fashion. Right. You don't know what's going to be hot, what's not. Urban Outfitters, sure, maybe it's a, it's a beacon on a hill. It's, it's mm-hmm. the, the outlier right now. Well, you what could else? also look at companies like Coors, too. You, you like know? Coors? Well, they're good innovators. So much growth so quickly. Aren't you a little worried about that? The flame fizzles out. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm make, just making the point that you're going with proven operators. Okay, I suppose. Well, Coors isn't that proven. Coors is still a relatively new company. Don't give me that guff. You look at a proven operator like Coach. They haven't been proving themselves very well in um, North America recently. They're a big Coors, they're a big Coors uh, competitor. So I get where you, you're coming from and that Coors has been doing well recently. Right. But again, how are we to know that two weeks from now at a fashion show in Milan, someone walks out on stage with a Coach bag and not a Coors bag and suddenly stocks start flying? Ah, I don't know. I just I don't like... <laughs> that I can't predict the future. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I say stay away from fashion. He says not. You can go with whoever you want. Again, if you have a question, send it our way at cg at fool.com. We'd be happy to answer and completely disagree on air. That's always fun. Okay, let's move on to a quick round of Would You Rather. We mm. have two questions of Would You Rather. Um, the first one is an interesting one. Short J.C. Penny. Or buy Netflix. You're going in opposite directions with mm. this. Netflix, can't deny, decent company, decent business. I know we decent. both like it. Decent. Uh, J.C. Penny, not so decent. Right. Going down this way. Netflix going this way. Right. Which way would you want to go? Interesting call. Um, I'm I'm long Netflix to be honest with you. Okay. Great business. Uh, even though given the competitive pressures and things, I think that the company still has a strong foothold. They have a first mover advantage. You talk about JCPenney, and we, we just talked about them in length, so we don't have to rehash all of that. But anytime you're shorting a stock, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, there's different ways to short the stock. 
But there's a lot of issues that you have to consider that go along with shorting an actual right. stock. For instance, if the traditional way of shorting, you actually have to, to do it on margin. Mm-hmm. So borrowed funds. So you're actually borrowing the stock, uh, selling it, and then buying it back hopefully at a lower price. So you're still buying low, selling high, just doing it in reverse order. Right. Sounds kind of funky. It is. Um, That's why I don't. I never short stocks, by the way. I well, just, exactly. And I, I, wouldn't rec- I wouldn't recommend doing it either right. because, you know, certainly if the stock, if you, when you're short, if the stock moves against you, if, you know, speculators make a run, or in this case, everyone's talking about the turnaround story and the stock starts to pop, right. you can be subject to margin calls, right? And you've got to bring more capital in to by collateralize the, the position. Did you know that 30% of JCPenney's outstanding shares are held short? Yeah. 30%. People clearly. Are you surprised? I'm. I'm not surprised that, in theory, that a lot of people have are shorted J.C. Penney. Yeah. Uh, it's the in practice, the fact that nearly a third of their shares outstanding are betting against the company. Well, pretty again, ridiculous. Well, it's a lot of institutional money. Right, right, right. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I like Netflix as well. Uh, I know it, we we mentioned the deals in cable going on right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of the big whales are kind of swimming around uh, Netflix these days. But Netflix. I actually just started watching Orange is the New Black. Oh, yeah? I see why people keep their Netflix subscriptions. They, I, I want to see more. I want to see more House of Cards. Like you said, content is king. I think Netflix has some pretty good content. I think it sticks around for a while. Speaking of for a while, our next Would You Rather is a look into the future. Would you rather hold McDonald's or Amazon for the next 30 years? 30 mm. years is a long time frame. Molly Fool loves Amazon. Yep. They love, I, I think David has recommended it for the last 20 years or so. Right. It's done pretty well in the last 20 years. Pretty well. Next 30 years, does it outpace McDonald's? Uh, I think it does. Uh, I'm definitely holding Amazon. I would hold Amazon for the next 30 years over McDonald's. Okay. McDonald's has been around for a long, long time. Right. Very successful business. But I go back to... Um, Really, the, the the advantage that Amazon has, and kind of like the sense of community around around Amazon. Okay. Um, and it started really from their early stages, their formative stages, when they were just selling books. You know, you think you could go online and you could read other people's reviews of books and things of that sort, and kind of collaborate and, and communicate and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. And the company still has that culture is still present there in the company. It's still there. Right. McDonald's doesn't have any kind of culture that makes me want to keep going back to the, the company over and over. Don't get me wrong. When I was a kid, I loved McDonald's french fries, mm-hmm. loved the chicken nuggets, mm-hmm. but now the food just kind of repulses. Wait, you haven't had some of their Mighty Wings? No. Uh, yeah, they're pretty bad, actually. You don't like what McDonald's is doing with uh, creating a lounge sort of feel, trying to mimic a, a Panera and put in softer seats and some Wi-Fi? You're not buying into that? Uh, I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it. That's fair. I, I actually, you know what? I like both companies for the next 30 years. Don't get me wrong. McDonald's, I think, uh, gets lapped by Amazon as far as growth and as far as stock price appreciation. Mm -hmm. But you can't deny it's a heck of a business. Been around for forever. Strong, strong brand. I think it stays around for at least the next 30 years. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. It's not like it's going to go under water or anything. Right, absolutely. Okay, uh, for our last segment, we're going to take a look at a couple of tweets from today. Uh, tweet it, as they say. Look at that. Our first tweet comes from friend of the fool, Carl Quintanilla. It's a mystery, says Pepsi CEO Nui to Sarah Eisen, as to why consumers are drinking less diet soda. Michael, it is just so shocking to me that health-conscious people are not liking diet soda filled with the crazy sugars and chemicals anymore. My God, what is the world coming to? Crazy. It doesn't sound that crazy. Mm. Do people keep on drinking less diet soda? How often do you have a Diet Coke or a Diet Pepsi? I don't. Exactly. Well, actually, that's probably because Tom Garner got rid of all the soda machines in here. But 
if he hadn't, you probably still wouldn't be drinking too much Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi. Right. Yeah, me neither. I, I, I'm health conscious now. I can't help myself. I, it's sure. that Whole Foods mentality. Exactly. It's that college just education. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't know. I don't see diet soda making a turnaround anytime <laughs> soon, you know? Um, but for these beverage companies, for Pepsi especially, I think Pepsi still does okay at the end of the day. They've got so much going on besides just beverages. Right. Absolutely. And that snack business is such a great support to the company that it's mm-hmm. not like Coke where you're just relying strictly on beverages. Right. Um, so I think Pepsi does okay at the end of the day. Does Coke? Is Coke going to be okay if, at, if tomorrow everyone in North America said, no more Diet Coke for me, we're done with it? Coke still survives? Yeah, Coke survives. Uh, Coke's a, a, just a tremendous brand. And um, to be completely honest with you, I also like the optionality that they have with, with Care Green Mountain, now, mm. to be completely honest with you. It's sort of like a new product platform. Mm. Um, I, I think that'll be interesting to see how that pans out. It's, I'm not surprised to see them make that investment and then increase that investment. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's a very small portion of the company's business right now. Right. But, yeah, I mean, the, the company, there's more to Coke than Diet Coke. Nice. Yeah, that's good. That's good. quite a few. That's more. actually the new catchphrase for Coca-Cola. That's fantastic. There's more to us than just <laughs> crappy soda. All right, second tweet. Let's check it out. Uh, Target has dismissed its head of stumbling Canadian unit. I'm not too surprised by this. Right. Like you said, you said it earlier, uh, Walmart, Target, these big companies that swallowed up the smaller stuff in North America a couple of years ago, yeah. they're going to these emerging markets. Canada is not an emerging market. They're going to these international markets thinking that they can do the same thing, and it's not turning out that way. Right. Uh, are, are you, do you see Target recovering uh, in Canada, or do you see it continuing to struggle there? It's a good question. I mean, uh, I, we'll see when it comes along, to be honest with you. I mean, I think this is a good first step, <laughs> changing the, uh, the leader at the helm. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll, I'm not quite sure to see how the, the company will, will fare in Canada, but it'll Man. be interesting. Wait and see. All right. Last but certainly not least, our final tweet is a look at Dick's Sporting Goods. Dick's Sporting Goods, excuse me. Dick's Sporting Goods is another retailer struggling today, last down a whopping 16%. They just announced earnings today. I really just like this because of that chart. Um, it's it's not a great chart for Dicks, no, but Dicks has been such a strong retailer recently. I was a little surprised to hear that earnings took such a turn. Right. Um, what's going on with Dicks, and are you buying Dicks sporting goods on the drop? Uh, I don't know enough about Dicks to to be able to. <laughs> buy into it on the drop, to be completely honest with you. Fair enough. What are your thoughts? I, I like Dix. Uh, sporting goods, especially heading into the summer, yeah. are not a bad area to be in. It's not a bad industry. Yeah. Um, I think so. what I saw from the earnings is the same story from every single other retailer. Winter weather, mm-hmm. uh, which you would have thought you go to Dix to buy your snowshoes or your skis or what have you, and the sure. winter weather would have just added to that. Sure. Uh, my hope is that the winter weather pushes sales back to this quarter, uh, and we see a lot more uh, going forward from Dix, I wouldn't be surprised if they recovered. I'm not sure I'm buying today, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't put it past Dix to have a better quarter this quarter. Mm. That's just me. All right, that is it for our first ever Consumer Goods Edition for Where the Money Is. How badly did we do? Tell us <laughs> at, by sending us an email at cg at fool.com, or you can send an email to the old WTMI address and ask Matt and David to return. Um, I thought we did okay. What do you think? We'll see. Yeah. Heather, how do we do? Oh, she's giving us a thumbs down. That's very oh. rude. Some other finger gestures that I can't talk about <laughs> on air. All right. For the incredibly handsome Michael Finarelli, I'm Mark Reith. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.